This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of the Tom and Bob Show, where each week we discuss best practices in the field of customer experience management. I'm Tom DeWitt, Director of CXM at MSU, and I'm joined by my co-host and partner in crime, Bob Keipel, Vice President of CX of M and retired Global CX Executive with General Motors. Without further ado, let's get this show on the road. Welcome to another episode of the Tom and Bob Show. I'm Tom DeWitt, and I'm joined by... Bob Keipel. And uh, today, we're really excited to have Keith Instone, the founder of Dexterity User Experience, with us. Uh, Keith is a user experience consultant who helps organizations start, grow, and mature their user experience practice through apprenticeship, coaching, and mentoring. Uh, Keith's been an active in, has been active in the user experience community in Michigan since the 1990s, even though he's uh, located just across the border outside Toledo. Um, but in Michigan, he serves on the board of the Michigan User Experience Professionals Association. Uh, his career has spanned equal parts in academia, doing research at Bowling Green State University, uh, working for IBM, and consulting. So, Keith, you're, you're, first of all, welcome, welcome uh, to the show. Thanks. Uh, Thanks for having me great, here. Great to have you here. So your, your, your background is in user experience and usability, and you've spent your time at IBM and academia over your, your career. Uh, you're currently leading a consultancy called Dexterity User Experience, which you founded in the Toledo area. Tell us a little bit about how you help organizations improve their user experience. Yeah, so a lot of a lot of companies are uh, what are they? They're calling it digital transformation or other changes, right? They're they're using technology to to conduct their business, either you know through e-commerce with their customers or changing the way their employee, you know, the way they they interact with their employees. Um, that's all been accelerated by COVID, of course, because their employees are now farther away, and they need technology like Zoom sitting between them and and what they what they would normally do face to face. Um, so a lot of times I help them by just talking talking about what they do in terms of users' experiences, and instead of specifically on like the financial impact or the business processes, right? So um, often they'll come to me and you know, Keith, this is this is our this is our current business process. It's not working too well, or we're trying to make it better. Um, usually triggered by some technology because they'll say like, we we want to build an app to do this business process, right? So that, so that our employees can just open up something on their phone, press three buttons, and our, our, uh, their job is done, right? Um, so as we go through that process, talking about the technology, then we raise, we usually raise some larger questions of, could this, you know, we could just implement that business process verbatim in the app, but that may not uh, be the most efficient way because usually there's there's the business process as it's defined and there's also there's also the business process as it's actually followed right because usually folks are like yeah this is our travel policy but but you know I never follow the travel policy I always fly on my favorite airline anyway right um, so we use that as an opportunity to go back and talk to the end users about how they actually 
how they actually do things. And that could lead to a change in the business process, or it could just be um, a way that we, we optimize the app so that even though it, if it's a 10 step business process, if most of the time, if you only need two, you know, we could design a user interface that makes it really easy to skip those eight steps. Right. And so um, do you come in and help write code or make apps or do, is that somebody else or is it inside the business or what? Yeah. So uh, long ago I used to be able to write code, but I was terrible at it. So uh, <laughs> no, nobody should ever pay me to write code. Right. Um, but we, uh, I definitely work a lot with the software development teams sometimes they will be the one that brings me in of, of saying like, hey, we're building this app and you know, we're pretty sure it's not easy to use. Can you check it, Keith, just to make sure we're following all the standard best practices for UI design? Or could you go off and do a usability test for us so that you know, we actually have 10 people that have tried to do 10 tasks and eh, if they got nine out of 10 completed on time without a mistake, then then we're good to go. We're good to launch. Um, so that's usually how they bring me in. And then I usually flip it a little bit more to say, well, th this usability test, for example, is pretty important. You really should be doing it yourself all the time. So let's do this first one together. I'll show you how to do it. And then you do it on your, you do it on your own the rest of the way. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of my, my current spin is let me teach you how to do it because it's too important for you to just wait for me to do it for you. Yeah. And so, and today, um, Keith, we want to talk a little bit more about the, your excellent blog on cxofm.org. Let me put a little plug in for that. Um, it's sure. all about users and customers. And so just to get things level set, how do you actually define customer and user? <laughs> Uh, the standard is like, it depends, right? So, yeah. right. So when I'm for, for different clients, it means different things. So we're always putting, you know, a, a different spin on it for, um, more traditional companies or clients like a bank, right? They've got their business processes. They're, they're adding in digital things to it. So we usually talk about the, the, the role of, uh, these digital based user experiences and how they fit into the larger customer experience, right? Because the customer is going to be using an ATM and they're going to be using an app, but they're also be coming into a branch, right? And they're going to be talking to the, on the phone. So often we, we, we talk about user experience in the context of the overall customer experience, right? So that's pretty common. Um, but you know, I do a lot of uh, projects that are more employee focused, right? So we've got some different rules of the game when you're, when you're dealing with employees, right? You've, you know, you're working with HR and not with marketing, right? And so HR uses different terminology when they talk about things than marketing. So then I tend to sort of uh, tweak my terminology and talk about it a slightly different way. Right. Yep. So in that, you know, in that case, it might be, let's focus on the employee experience today. Right. And that's just, if HR is always thinking of employees, 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 then it doesn't make sense for me to start talking about customers because then they get confused. Right. Yeah. Um, and then I also do projects out in the public sector, like um, uh, online voting applications. Right. And so in that case, you know, it's, uh, we want to sort of be, we want to have the spirit of, of being customer centric. But there's often, you know, very specific requirements where we, you know, we can't treat, we can't treat citizens of the state of Michigan exactly like customers. So, so um, this is all about CX, customer experience, and we're talking about definitions here. What is your definition of customer experience, if you had to give one? Okay. Um, 
let's see. So, so one one of them would be customer experience as a noun, where it is right. It is the impression that customers have when they interact with a company and their products and their services, right? So it's that thing that customers feel, but can also accomplish, right? So we could say. Was that a good customer experience or a bad customer experience, right? So that's sort of the core definition. But there's also, um, you know, sort of like if you're working at a company and your manager is called the customer experience manager, right? You might be on the customer experience team, right? So now when you're uh, working with stakeholders and other folks within your company, right, you're now called the CX guy or gal because they're, you know, the HR guy or gal or the sales guy or gal or the operations person or whatever, the finance person. So now CX has this different meaning because it represents what you do with within your organization, right? Mm -hmm. So when we're talking, you know, so it can get very confusing because we can say, uh, let's fix the UX or let's fix the CX, okay? Are we talking about fixing the actual customer experience? Are we or are we talking about fixing what that team does, you know, or how we manage it, right? So that's just some, some examples. Um, and then um, one of the other articles on, on your blog was like about the history of CX. And a lot of it was around the evolution of all of these tools that have developed that are these platforms for managing the customer experience, right? And so the term actually sort of refers to an industry, right? If you take a collection of companies that are all sort of doing the same thing, that's sort of like an industry, right? So if we talk about customer experience as an industry, then that's that's a whole nother conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So con continuing on along these lines, I know you've, you've, you've expressed your own opinion about CX in the US. Could, could you please give us your thoughts on UX and CX and, and how they're more broadly defined today? Yeah, I, I think in some situations, they're both very broadly defined, right? So, again, I can think of... Um, Is that good or bad? I mean, uh, as for <laughs> practitioners out right. there, you know? Yeah. Being broadly it, defined. So, yeah, so it, it depends. But, yeah, I think in some situations, it's good to sort of have some broad definitions so that we can find some things in common, right, that says, okay, uh, perhaps in, within a company, there's a user experience team that's focused on designing for the website, and there's a customer experience team that's looking at lots of uh, lots of different touch points, right? So just being able to have some clear language for that organization to uh, communicate, and that organization user experience is focused on these certain touch points, and so now we can have the conversation about let's talk about all the touch points together, right? And so, um, whereas in, um, in some other companies like that are sort of origin where the software is a service origin, right? They've sort of grown up where the, the, the software was the product and they might have a product team that's really focused on user experience. And from day one, um, they've worked across different touch points, right? And so in that particular organization, it's, there's, there's not necessarily a customer experience legacy yet that they're sort of growing to. Um, but yes, and so, so part of what I've been trying to do is to ask people questions like, oh, if, if I'm in a particular meeting, what do you mean when you say customer experience, just to get us on the same page? Are you thinking this broad umbrella term? 
Um, I was on in, in one meeting a couple of weeks ago and the person immediately said, UX, got it, Keith, but I use, I use the word customer for everybody that we deal with, right? Our, our employees are customers, our stakeholders are customers, our shareholders are customers, everybody's a customer in my lingo. And it's like, that's great, but now I, now I know when I talk with you, I've got to fine tune it. Every time you say customer, I've got to ask you a question to figure out which of those customers you, you actually are talking about, right? Because mm -hmm. when I'm down in the trenches and we're trying to solve a specific design problem, for example, it's like, I, I got to know, you know, I got to know if this is going to be on the internet for the public to see, or if it's going to be on the intranet just for employees to see. Yep. I'll tell you what, um, you know, when, when a customer, when a company says something like, uh, we're very customer centric, <laughs> you know, what are they actually saying? You know, it's, it could be very vague or maybe they really do have a specific meaning behind it, or maybe they're just, you know, blowing hot air. Um, I'd like to go through and touch on the various types of users, uh, going back to your blog a little bit, okay. in an organization that the organization needs to think about. Um, how about if I bring up one that you've mentioned and you give us your quick thoughts on each one, how important they are, what special factors they imply for somebody's thinking when trying to uh, improve CX in the organization. You up for that? Well, give it a shot. Let's see if I can pass. Okay, so let's start with the sort of the basics, you know, one, the user as purchaser. What are the special right. factors? How important are they? How, what do they imply? Right, so a lot of that is drawing on knowledge of consumer psychology, right? So a, a lot of, like when I work with a lot of designers, they don't realize that there's, there's, there's a lot of psychology that's been applied to figure out, like, should you, should you give somebody five choices or should you give them 50 choices, right? Um, even, um, and, and those sort of things. So I think for, uh, the user as purchaser, that's well-researched. And so I would, I push my clients to like, let's get into the actual research rather than just designing based on the best practices or copying from Amazon. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that one is so well-researched that, that we should be doing that at like a scientific level. Right. And, and, and again, that's easy to, to, to justify the costs, you know, like the, the, the time and effort to do that deep research because this is making money for the company, right? Okay. What about users as eyeballs? I thought that was an interesting <laughs> right. one. What is that all about? Right. And so we, we have these platforms like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and these other platforms where the people that are literally like living on this platform, right? People are spending eight hours a day or more using Facebook. This is where they get their news. They don't watch TV anymore, right? They don't watch the TV news, right? So in that business model, right, those people that are spending eight hours are, I would say they're not their customers because they're not paying those companies any money, right? Who are the actual customers? Those are the advertisers, right? And so it's a different type of design uh, designing an experience is different when you're just sort of using this sort of free service, right? But of course, these 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 different business models like advertising sneak their way in, and it can lead to some pretty weird things happening, right? If you just follow the news of of things like fact checking and all these other things that you have mm -hmm. to that, that that have to do, so it's really a totally different kind of. Like the business model is so different that, that I hesitate when somebody says, Amazon does this, therefore Facebook should do that, right? It's like, oh, wait a second. There's, there's some fundamental differences mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. um, and then the, the worst part of all of those is if you go back to that, same, to that same research that we use to help purchasers make decisions, right? We could use that same research and help people make decisions 
about uh, like spending more time, right? Because like a lot of those platforms, their goal is for you to not buy something. Your goal is to spend time there, right? And so, and that can lead to, you know, again, if you spend a lot of time using, using technology, it can lead to mental, uh, to health problems, right? So, so now we start to get into some more ethical, some more ethical things beyond like, sure, I could design a platform that, that uh, people spent 12 hours a day on, but you know, I would actually, why don't we dissolve a platform? build a platform that tells them to go out and take a walk every four hours, right? <laughs> so users as eyeballs, I mean, it's all about trying to get people to stay like on your site right. or on your app, right? Yes. Yeah. What and about, so, let's go, let's go with a user as business partner. How do you define that kind of a user? Yeah. So that one's more of, of like doing B2B, B2B type applications. So, you know, I might have a client that's a manufacturer, but we're working on software for other parts of their supply chain, right? And so now you could think of those other folks as customers, right? But again, it's it's usually a deeper relationship because you because you're you're like you're in this business together, right? So it's less about you know how to um, you know extract as many business transactions as possible, but how to make it more efficient for everybody along the way, right? So again, you have different business relationships when you're part of this common common supply chain. Do you have um, clients that um, have these aha moments when you talk about the different types of users? Um, yeah, but they probably wouldn't think of it that way, right? They would mm -hmm. probably just think it was like, oh, yeah, Keith is helping us deal with um, these partners in our supply chain. And he's drawing a little bit on his knowledge of, of like doing things for consumers, but we're, we're doing it in a different way. Um, for the most part, they don't care about that. They just say like, cool, this you know, our supply chain is now more efficient. Thank you. Right. Because right, right. <laughs> th that's all that matters to them. They don't, they, they don't care whether, uh, you know, these other sort of academic distinctions that I made in the blog entry. Well, I, I liked it. I think, I think going through these just shows, you know, how the, the range is so wide and there's a lot to think about when you just say, Oh, our users are whatever, because right. there's a lot of nuances. Like what are the most like opposite types of users? If you had to take one user and compare it to the other one and say these are just so totally their needs are so totally different. Yeah, I think um, so totally different. Yes, some would be in the um, uh, that was hard. It was easier to make that distinction before. Now it's getting harder because a lot of companies or a lot of people are having great experiences as a customer and now they demand it as all of these other roles, right? Um, Probably the most, what I would say the most now that, that, that COVID is sort of exposed for me is um, experiences with family, right? Because nor normally you're, you don't want to have technology in the way for a family reunion, right? The whole, the whole point is you have a family reunion, you're out in a park, everybody turns off their cell phones and you spend time with Uncle Bob, right? <laughs> um, but with COVID now, right, we now have some technology to, to mediate our family reunions, right? Something like, like Zoom that we're using now or something else. Um, and so that flips the game because uh, most of these two, like these tools were built in a business setting, right? So they're going to encourage breakout groups and things like that. Whereas, oh, in a, you know, in a family setting, you, you know, you may not necessarily want sort of that, that, that equal distribution of people within a group, right? I could see if I'm doing a family reunion, it's more of like, uh, like, like planning a wedding and you have to carefully pick who sits at each table, right? <laughs> because, because, you know, we, we can't have Uncle Bob and, and um, 
Uncle Uncle Fred at the same table because they'll argue or whatever, right? Which which sometimes you keep saying happens. Uncle Bob, you know. I'm like it's a hitting home over here. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I, I have I have yeah. So I have like three or four Watch Uncle Bobs, right? Yeah. I have a bunch of Uncle Bobs, so that's the. Well, it's and, a good general you, rule. Yeah. Hey Keith, you know before before COVID, we 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 talked about the Amazon effect and and how it impacted. Um, customer expectations in terms of ease and convenience and choice and the role of technology in that process. Um, you know, to your point, what you brought up, you think we're going to be talking about the Zoom effect or the COVID effect um, as it relates to, to how we communicate, whether it's convening meetings and, or, 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 or uh, as, as you brought up, holding many family reunions. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, uh, positive or negative, I haven't figured out yet, but, but for what I'm just sensing of like, like my background here on Zoom, not that the podcast folks can see it, this is my co-working space, right, where I try to spend like one day a week because mm -hmm. I can work from anywhere, mm -hmm. but I want to work sometimes with other people, right, in, in a physical space just to chit-chat, sometimes to catch up, just to have somebody to have lunch with, right, and so they've got to figure out, you know, their whole business model is, is this open space for people to hang out, right? Which is now, uh, you know, basically a, a room of germs, right? So, right. And so, you know, so a lot of our physical spaces were designed specifically for to, to foster human, human connection. But now we, we've got to rethink some of those, right? So is, is it worth going to a physical space if there's plexiglass walls everywhere? Like, why bother, right? Um, and so um, we're, we're going to, you know, as we reevaluate how do, how do we get on with life without getting everybody else sick, then this sort of re remote meeting software is one way to do it. Um, but again, like if, if, if people are going to be using this sort of software for six hours a day, then it needs to be redesigned, right? Because we, we already have what, what's the, the Zoom fatigue, right? Because it, it uses different, um, uh, different parts of your brain. They get worn out. You know, um, again, there's, there's lots of psychology around it. And so I think, you know, there's, if you're looking at it from a business perspective, you know, there's a market to rethink how we meet with people when we're not all in the same place. So it, perhaps like it doesn't feel as much like a business meeting. Um, maybe it feels more like a family reunion. That's just one yeah. thing, right? Yeah. Um, and if, if somebody does it well with a family reunion setting, then I could see some businesses would actually prefer that, you know, this is the, the, an experience that feels more like a family reunion. That might be more appropriate for some businesses than the one that seems a little bit more formal, right? So I think there's some room for yeah, innovation. Good point. Yeah, I think it's really forced, you know, maybe business thought about it before, you know, they thought about working re remotely and they dismissed it. Now that they've been forced into it, they largely see it works. And yeah, it's going to be interesting moving forward. I, oh, wonder I, it, I, I wonder, I'm sorry, Tom, I'm just, I want to comment on what That's you right, said. Go for it, um, I just wonder if this was a temporary improvement in productivity just because of the novelty of it all mm -hmm. and the sort of nervousness about keeping my job and that kind of feeling mm -hmm. or whether it really is more productive. I have no idea what the answer is. Right. So I, I worked remotely for IBM for 10 years. And so this was around 2000 when we didn't have all of these fancy tools. Right. And so there were definitely cases where I could, I could say I was more productive, right? If I had a, 
a series of tasks that I needed to perform alone and I just needed like three days to do it, right? I could do it in, in those three days because I didn't have a lot of distractions and I, didn't, I wasn't dependent on anybody. Um, I had lots of flexibility, so I could do it at 2 a.m. if I had to, right? And it didn't matter if my, uh, one of my kids was sick, I could do, you know, I could be 50% productive and my, while my ch I was at home with my child who was sick versus having to be either uh, like zero zero percent productive, right? Because you know, I was home. So when you have those discrete tasks, that's great. But when it was time to to be more collaborative and me, you know, be more discussion oriented, then it definitely got in the way, right? Because it, it's easier to get ten people in a room, and in one day you could get a lot of stuff hashed out. My general rule of thumb would be that that one day together would probably take five days if you were not all together, right? Just because you didn't have people's attention and because of the higher cost of collaboration, right? Mm -hmm. Now, the tools have changed and so on. And so there's some, you know, there, there's more tools to make it easier. Um, but I, I think that would be one of the questions. And then the other question for me would always be like, okay, so this this is great that like like we could do this podcast remotely. But, like, if we didn't have to, would we choose to it? And, I, you know, and my guess is, like, you know what? I would have rather chosen to, dr to drive to, to Lansing to be with you guys in person and to do the same podcast, even if I could do it remotely, just because it was more rewarding and it was more fun and so on, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's, at this point, we, we have to do it this way, and it seems to be not too sucky. But, yes, in the future, when we have a choice, will we go back and say, yeah. I could do that, right? Just like like I could send somebody 50 emails to get work done, but I might choose to call them on the phone, right? <laughs> and so maybe, maybe we'll choose to not do this. Yeah. Well, you know, and I think what's kind of interesting is, uh, is, is everyone kind of thinking about themselves and their own personal productivity and maybe even redefining their own expectations for themselves or what they're capable of. Um, it's really forced a lot of people to innovate at a personal level, which to me is, is one of the few positive outcomes of all yep. of this. Yep. Okay. And I, yeah. Yeah. And I would say for, for anybody that said, wow, this, this is awesome. And I'm, and I'm 10 times more productive than I was at the office. Then you probably had a dysfunctional office, right? You just didn't realize it, right? And so, right? And so again, it's like, oh, if nobody wants to come back and work in person with with my team, then what was wrong with my team? Because I think over time we are want to we are going to want to get back together. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm sure it's more of hey, I'm I'm surprised I can still be productive without yes. having to go in the office and having to you know. Uh, at least I hope that's the case. Yes, yeah. Getting back to our discussion about um, user roles, which I find really fascinating, what can our listeners take away from that discussion as it relates to their own their own situation? What, right. So, what, what's the best approach for them to do that? Yeah, so I think yeah, part of it is like ask yourself questions as you're talking about, as you're working on different projects. One is to focus on, other people's experiences more than your own, right? So that's part of it, right? And whether it's a customer or a user or a citizen or anybody else, right? So that 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 um, being able to use some empathy, being able to see things from other people's perspectives, right? That that will help you um, again to complement all of the you know all of the the sort of the the internal workings that you already know. So just that sort of like being an innocent mind, looking at things from different perspectives, um, and then you know 
for me, I'm always trying to get the, the most, the, the words matter because they affect how I think. So if, if, if customer experience is the best word for what you do, that's great. But if even better, I think if you can drill down deeper and have more specific names for specific types of customers or specific roles, right? So, because again, you know, designing uh, uh, a new customer experience is a, a little bit different than a returning customer experience, right? Or you could have, um, you know, depending on your business model, they could be um, uh, the actual, per the person who purchased it or somebody who then uses it later on. Um, so is this where customer personas come into play? Right. And so you can use personas. You can do journey maps, right? The journey maps will start you see like, ah, here's this, we, you know, we had a group of people and they're going on a journey, but now when they've got to the middle of the journey, they're starting to split. Their experiences are different. So now it's like, aha, we thought we had one customer on one journey. We've now figured out that we actually have two groups of customers on two slightly different journeys, right? And then you can, you can use a finer language of, you know, when can you send out a marketing message for that whole group? And when do you have to have two different marketing messages? Because, you know, at this part of their journey, the messages need to be different. So. Well, great Good approach. That's, you know, um, who said marketing wasn't scientific? Right. I mean, and it's detailed and it's rigorous and you got to think through these things. And like I said earlier, I really appreciate your blog uh, about the different types of users because I think a lot of companies and organizations don't think through that stuff. And I think it's really valuable ad. So thanks for that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and usually my litmus test is somebody will say like, okay, who are your users or who are your customers? And I'll say, well, of course, everybody is my customer. Everybody is right? Well, everybody's your potential customer. Let's go a little bit deeper, right? Because again, if you're, if you're going to send out a marketing message today and your attitude is everybody in the world is my customer, then again, we have, you know, we're pretty sure that that's not going to be a very effective message, yep. right? Yep. Do, you go, do you go to the reverse and send out 1,000 different messages to 1,000 different groups? That's probably too far, but where's the sweet spot? It, it depends. Yeah, it, it reminds me of a case study I read in my MBA days about Snapple. Um, and back in the day, Snapple was a real quirky, really cool brand. There you go. And you drinking fit, one right now. Yeah, he's drinking one right <laughs> now. Drinking one right now, yes. And then it was bought up by Quaker. And, um, and I, I can't remember if it was the chief marketing officer or the CEO at that time. And when asked, who's your customer? And they said, everybody with lips. And that's when, <laughs> that's when they started to lose it, right? right? Because it wasn't everyone with lips. You know, he thought, he thought they were selling uh, iced tea, but they weren't. You know, they, right. were, they were selling a unique and quirky right. uh, yep. Yep. brand and beverage and, and a unique right. brand promise with with yeah. riddles and whatnot under the cap. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm checking inside this cap. There's no little riddle, right? Yep. So they lost I, it, man. Right, they, they lost it. And that, that's when yeah. they start losing market share. Hmm. Right. Well, hey, thanks, Keith. This has been a great discussion. We could we could go at this all right. day long. So I'm sure our listeners don't have all day long. <laughs> but thanks, thanks uh, for being on the Tom and Bob show. And I want to thank our our listeners for for listening in again and their support. Look thanks, forward Keith. to hosting you in, in, in person and, and hope soon you can get back to that shared workspace. Okay. Thanks guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tom and Bob show. If you enjoyed the podcast, please tell your friends and share it on LinkedIn and Twitter. If you have any ideas or suggestions for future podcasts, send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. After all, you're our customer. 
Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.